Good morning! Welcome to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We look forward to having you on the show. This morning's episode is titled, Ishmael the son of Nethaniah kills Gedaliah. It shall be focused on a study of Jeremiah chapter 41. Before we go any further, we begin with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, as we recognize that the protection that you had you had sent as warning to Gedaliah about Ishmael coming to murder him and being sent of the Ammonites, but Father, you refuse to listen. So help us, Father, to listen to the wisdom that you use others to speak to us through, or that still small voice warning us, Father, of the different dangers coming across to us. Even in our day, you sent a voice warning us of the wrath that's to come. Help us, Father, to hide under that blood, to escape all the judgment coming to the world. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Up next, we shall listen to Jeremiah chapter 41. Jeremiah 41 Now it came to pass in the seventh month that Ishmael, the son of Nathaniah, the son of Elishama, of the seed royal, and the princes of the king, even ten men with him, came unto Gedaliah, the son of Ahikim, to Mizpah. And there they did eat bread together in Mizpah. Then arose Ishmael, the son of Nathaniah, and the ten men that were with him, and smote Gedaliah, the son of Ahikim, the son of Shaphan, with the sword, and slew him, whom the king of Babylon had made governor over the land. Ishmael also slew all the Jews that were with him, even with Gedaliah at Mizpah, and the Chaldeans that were found there, and the men of war. And it came to pass the second day after he had slain Gedaliah, and no man knew it, that there came certain from Shechem, from Shiloh, and from Samaria, even fourscore men, having their beards shaven, and their clothes rent, and having cut themselves with offerings and incense in their hand, to bring them to the house of the Lord. And Ishmael the son of Nathaniah went forth from Mizpah to meet them, weeping all along as he went. And it came to pass, as he met them, he said unto them, Come to Gedaliah the son of Ahikim. And it was so, when they came into the midst of the city, that Ishmael the son of Nathaniah slew them, and cast them into the midst of the pit, he and the men that were with him. But ten men were found among them that said unto Ishmael, Slay us not, for we have treasures in the field, of wheat and of barley, and of oil and of honey. So he forbear, and slew them not among their brethren. Now the pit wherein Ishmael had cast all the dead bodies of the men, whom he had slain because of Gedaliah, was it which Asa the king had made for fear of Baasha king of Israel, and Ishmael the son of Nathaniah filled it with them that were slain. Then Ishmael carried away captive all the residue of the people that were in Mizpah, even the king's daughters, and all the people that remained in Mizpah, whom Nebuzar Adan, the captain of the guard, had committed to Gedaliah, the son of Ahikim. And Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, carried them away captive, and departed to go over to the Ammonites. But when Johanan, the son of Kareah, and all the captains of the forces that were with him, heard of all the evil that Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, had done, then they took all the men, and went to fight with Ishmael, the son of Nethaniah, and found him by the great waters that are in Gibeon. 
Now it came to pass that when all the people which were with Ishmael saw Johanan the son of Kareah, and all the captains of the forces that were with him, then they were glad. So all the people that Ishmael had carried away captive from Mizpah cast about and returned and went unto Johanan the son of Kareah. But Ishmael the son of Nethaniah escaped from Johanan with eight men and went to the Ammonites. Then took Johanan the son of Kareah and all the captains of the forces that were with him, all the remnant of the people whom he had recovered from Ishmael the son of Nethaniah, from Mizpah. After that he had slain Gedaliah the son of Ahikim, even mighty men of war, and the women and the children and the eunuchs who he had brought again from Gibeon. And they departed and dwelt in the habitation of Chimham, which is by Bethlehem, to go to enter into Egypt. Because of the Chaldeans, for they were afraid of them, because Ishmael the son of Nathaniah had slain Gedaliah the son of Ahikim, whom the king of Babylon made governor in the land. Up next, we shall listen to a sermon by Reverend William Branham titled, The Way of a True Prophet. This was preached in 1963 on January the 19th. We'll begin at paragraph 78 up to paragraph 110. I trust you find it to be a blessing. And he's choosing a people of right and righteousness that shall reign upon the earth as he reigns as king. And he's now taking his people for his name, the people for his kingdom. Now, would this smart, intelligent, intellectual group of Israel, its great powerful intellectual president or king, Jeroboam, who was a smart man. And would they hear this little unknown prophet? Would this great message that's burning in his heart, would he be able to walk through the streets and the people would, women would dress themselves Nicely again, the mans would leave the taverns and the places of sin and turn to God at the preaching of this little unknown fellow. That was a question might have come into his mind or does mine when I see him standing there and his little bald head shining in the sun, his gray beard hanging around his coat, looking down through there and looking upon that sin in his air, eyes narrow and his heart beating. Yet in there he saw the kingdom of God that should be established there, all weighted in sin. And with a rebuke from God that would rebuke from the king to the beggar in the street. Every priest, preacher, king, potentate, monarch, whatever he was, he had the curse of God to put on him because you'd think they would receive him. Or... Would they understand him? Remember, he had no recommendation. He come different from our evangelists of the day. He had no recommendation from the priest. They didn't even know who the fellow was. But there is one who knew who he was. That is the one that sent him. That's all counted to him. As long as he knew where he was sent from. His message had to go forth just the same. 
And regardless, he had no denominational credentials to back him up when he went into the city to come to the ministerial association and say, my brethren, I'm sent of this certain group, this religious group. I belong to the certain, certain. He had not that. He didn't have any of those things. Neither did he have a fellowship card to show that he even stood in good fellowship with the ministerial associations from the country he came from. He had no cooperation for his campaign. He never even consulted anybody about it. That little fellow was standing in a difficult place. It'd be enough for a man to turn and go back and take up his herd again. Down tick or where he left, if he would just a thought. But you see, the man didn't take no second thought. He didn't think about any credentials. Neither did he think about a fellowship card. He only thought about one thing, and that was the word of the Lord. God had given it to him with a charge that he must go over there and prophesy. That's all made any difference to him. He had the word of the Lord, and therefore he felt he didn't need credentials or any recommendation or any cooperation. The only thing he needed was he had cooperation with God, and that's all it took. As long as he was in the will of the Lord, what difference did it make? As long as he knew that his message was from God, God would vindicate that message. He had to. And when he brought the message, it looks like that there would be a, all the priests and preachers and the prophets of that age would have come in and repented because they would have seen the condition of the place, the seen the moral corruption. But when he began to prophesy with the word of the Lord, it was foreign to them. They know nothing about it. It's quite a picture of that today. Foreign, the message of the Lord. The church knows nothing about it. When they hear people raise up and give a message in unknown tongues and give the interpretation to it and say a certain thing is fixing to happen, the people turn their head and walk away. think the people are crazy. They see somebody rise up in the Spirit and prophesy or give a message from the Lord while the people of the church world today thinks the person's lost their mind. It's foreign from them because they are... About the same condition today as Samaria was in that day. But remember, when the nations get her, God's church always got in that condition. God was able to raise up a prophet with the word of the Lord to them. Certainly they had forgot it long ago. But they ought to remember, regardless of whether they could look up through their books and see if they had a fellow out of some of their schools by the name of Dr. Amos or not, they ought to know that God of Abraham was able of these stones to rise up children or prophets to bring his word. That same God is just as able tonight as he was then. And it would certainly was misunderstanding to the people. He can rise up 
man, anoint man to bring his word. He can put the word in a man, send him forth and prove that he's God. Well, that person that will humble himself and submit himself to God and not be afraid to take God at his word. He's able to do it. And he will do it. He promised he would. And his words, of course, was vindicated to him in that day because while that same generation was still in existence, all that Amos prophesied came to pass. I wonder today now that if Amos would come to us, would we receive him today? Would Phoenix receive Amos if somewhere across a mountain here somewhere or down from some part of the country came a little rugged dressed fella like that walk in here and call the ministers to order and say I have the word of the Lord do you think we would receive him certainly not the first thing we'd ask him what group are you with What if he'd turn around and say the heavenly group? <laughs> that would kind of be foreign to us, I'm afraid. But that's the way it was then. And it'd perhaps be the same way today if Amos come on the scene. Let's just, for the sake of what I've said, transport him here just a few moments and see what we think he would do. You know what he'd do? I believe he would disagree with our whole setup. Yes, sir. He would disagree with our denominational doctrines. He would condemn Methodists, Baptists, Presbyterian, Lutheran, Catholic, and Pentecostals. He'd take the whole thing in. Certainly would. He would disagree with their denominational doctrines. He would go straight to the fundamental foundation of the Word and start right on the Word. He would begin his campaign upon thus saith the Lord. Why, why you think Phoenix would receive him? You think Louisville would receive him? New York, Boston, Massachusetts, or wherever it might be, California, no, sir. They'd have the little fellow in jail as quick as they could get him there. Certainly he would. They would certainly do that. If he went back to the Word, I'm sure they would. Because <laughs> every group would disagree with him. There wouldn't be a one agree with him. Because they have to hold to their traditions in order to disagree with the Word. <laughs> We'd have to remember that he is a true prophet. If he, had been, if he was a prophet sent from God, he would be one mark to him. One definite mark that we know he is a prophet, he would stay with the Word. Because that's where the Word of God came, was to the prophets. You know what he would do? He would blast and condemn this generation. He would condemn every Bob Dared woman in the country. He would condemn every denominational preacher. He certainly would. He would condemn every cigarette smoker. Every woman that wore shorts or slacks. He'd tear them apart. Why? It's against the Word. 
Exactly right. You think we would receive him? By no means. They wouldn't receive him. He'd condemn the immorals of the church. He'd shake that little old wrinkled finger in that preacher's face and say, You mean to tell me that you call yourself anointed servant of God and will stand in the pulpit and let your women dress sexy, sexy among your men and things like that. Let your young women rise up like that. You'll permit your man to marry two and three times and be deacons in the churches. You mean to tell me that you'll hold on to that credential that you got in your hand and turn aside the Word of God? Oh, my. It blasts the thing. Yes, sir. The immorality of the church and the immorality of the members, it blasted my. Every member, he'd tear down. Every man-made seminary doctrine, he'd tear the thing to pieces. Now, could you receive a man like that? No, they wouldn't do it. They certainly wouldn't do it. They'd get that fellow out of town as quick as they could. While the association be meeting together and say, Say, we got to do something about this. Tell your congregation not to go there. Can't you hear that? No. Oh, we would not receive him. By no means we wouldn't receive him. Certainly they couldn't do it. Listen to him blast. Oh, I like it here. I'm looking right down on what he said. <laughs> he said the very God that you claim to serve will destroy you. He'd say that same thing today. We Americans has wrapped ourselves in so much of fantastic things. So much big buildings and big uh, numbers in our organizations. And all this fine popularity and seminary ministers who's trained up to hold their peace and say nothing about it because they're afraid they'd be excommunicated from the church. Certainly you'd blast that thing to pieces because it's against the word. Certainly would. And the very God that we claim to serve will, will burn this thing off one of these days. He'll blast it to pieces. Amos wouldn't change his words if he's here today. Let's get right back to the word. Oh, what, listen at him tell him there. God loved you. He brought you. He made you a chosen people. I'd like to hear him in a Pentecostal church one time. <laughs> You believe his aim is maybe get off my back then for a while. <laughs> yes, he would tell him. <laughs> He'd pull no punches. <laughs> He'd blast it just as hard as he could. And tell him where they'd fallen short of the word. The God that brought you out of these homemade, man-made margs. Years ago, 50 years ago, your fathers and mothers came out of these systems that bound up and got the world into him and God sent his mercy down and called you out away from the sin and stuff that was in the church and now you've turned right back around like Samaria did that God brought them out from them countries and they turned right back around and made an alliance with that country now we are today and trying to compete with those big denominational churches Building bigger schools. What? We don't need big schools. It's all right. I ain't got nothing to say against it. But every time that you take a founder or leader that goes forth in his day, 
Well, he'll do good in his day, but as soon as he's gone, then they'll build an organization over the top of his work. Then they'll get a bunch of little Rickies in there and Elvises, and the first thing you know, they twist the thing to make it suit themselves. And then this other comes up and he injects something else because he's a great intellectual student out of Harvard somewhere or something. And the first thing they begin to eject this and take this out and say, this didn't mean that and that. You're right back in the same old rut again. Yes. If Amos is your head, blast the thing right straight to the ground. Never build his campaign upon how many churches he could get to cooperate with him. He never build his church upon some certain organization or some sectarian parts of the church. The thing he'd do is build his campaign upon thus saith the Lord. God would back him up as he always did. Prove that is right. He said there's trouble, there's turmoils in your church. What would he say today? What would he say with that word of God hanging out here before us? Second Timothy 3, where it said they'd be heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, and despisers of those that are trying to live right. Amen. Having a form of godliness but would deny the power thereof. You think a prophet could rise on the scene and bypass that prophecy? You say it's fulfilled in your eyes this day. How that the church would get formal and how the things they would do. He'd, he'd bring to your memory those words of God. He'd bring to your memory what God said he'd do in this day. And Amos rolls on the scene. Not only that, but God would prove by Amos what he promised to do in this day. Certainly he would. He did it in that day. He's always done it. Certainly, we would not receive Amos if he rose on the scene. Now, how that form of godliness stand up there in, in the choirs and, and around over great long robed choirs and, and sang like angels and danced the next night like devils. <laughs> That's right. It's exactly the truth. Some come out with great long robes on, flowerly looking like that, and look like some kind of an angelic being, and stand up there and deny the word like any evil spirit would. Amen. Having a form of godliness, but would deny the power thereof. As we get towards the end of this episode, we end with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for the word that you've sent us in this last day to prepare a bride without spot or wrinkle. Help us, Father, to adorn ourselves in it. For you said, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, and the bride hath made herself ready. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We hope to continue to earn your viewership throughout the year as we read the Bible from cover to cover. To make this a better listening experience for you, would really appreciate your feedback. So please email us at honeyintherock2020 at gmail.com. We also have accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So please follow us, share our pages, and subscribe. Now we'll leave you with the parting song. God richly bless you. Would I be you only know I'm glad you see throughout
Surround me, Lord. Oh. 